0: We're going to move into our children's message now. I wonder if we have any children present now, but if not, we're recording for kids who may want to watch it later. Right, but hold on, I forgot something. All right got my bag now. Our passage did talk about bringing your bag, right? I'm ready. Okay. Let's see maybe what I have in my bag. I won't show you everything. That might be a little <clears throat> embarrassing. Got My phone can't leave home without it. That's what my husband says. He might need to get a hold of me all right so i got my glasses because when i'm driving i can't be blind especially in california and driving through the city you gotta be careful all right um what else do we have in here the text talked about shoes and i didn't want to mess up the inside of my bag so i had to bring an extra bag so i brought my shoes i want these sandals I didn't think people would want to see me preaching in sandals. They might start talking later after the sermon. All right, we'll put this back. All right, I wonder if anybody thinks I came well enough prepared for my sermon. No? How about an extra sweater? Okay. All right, all right. I think you get it. My point being, you can come with all your stuff, you can come completely. Prepared. You, you can bring a fancy purse even if you want to. But our passage today finds Jesus saying to go, leave behind the extra stuff. I think this is for two reasons. It's not about how fancy your purse is or how many things you're able to bring with you. And it's not about what people will think when they see you and what you look like. It's about showing up in the kindness that you bring, the representation of Christ's love and being completely who you are. It's not about all the stuff that you bring with you. And another thing, Jesus was saying, leave that stuff behind and get on and go. I had to take extra time in my day yesterday to pack this bag. Jesus is saying, get on and go. We have a mission to accomplish. We have people to speak with and encourage and to bring peace to. So get up and go. And there's so many people that you have that message to bring to. So get along the way, be encouraged And bring that message of peace to all that you see. Don't don't worry about all the rest. Just go. And for the kids who listen to this message later on, I hope that you can hear that. You are great as you are. Don't worry what you bring, what you look like. Go. Be you, be love, and show Christ in the world. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. See. That's okay. I can see, I can't see everybody's faces that are watching. Oh, I can't see everybody's faces that are watching from home, but I can see your boxes and I'm glad that you're here. Okay. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Lord God, I ask that you Guide the words that I speak through a meditation of your Holy Spirit. May the words that are heard today, here, and now, and maybe even later as people tune in, be the ones that you intend to them, for them to hear the ones that you intend to bring them a message of peace with. Amen. So today's sermon title would be keep going in peace, keep going in peace. If at any time the news was hard to watch for keeping informed on what is going on in our world, certainly right now is a time that many are saying is the worst. No doubt we have had times throughout history when world events have been found to be horrific. Yet when you are in the midst of feeling very bogged down, it can very easily seem like your current time could be the worst. I've had numerous people share with me that right now seems that way. And I'm sure many of you in this room have as well. One thing I found to be a pattern in my sermon topics, because every pastor has one, is the inclusion of encouraging our role as Christians for spreading the love of Jesus Christ through daily kindness shared and God's emphasis on working for justice and peace for all our neighbors. Yet when the world's problems weigh so heavy, These words can feel as if I'm asking for efforts that are like spitting into the ocean to both you and me, as one pastor put it. If you're anything like me, when times are lowest, you may find yourself wondering, do our efforts really make a difference? And as that pastor went on to put it, in the cosmic struggle between the love of Christ and the tides of evil, Are our efforts at faithfulness and mission of any significance at all? Does God see us as important players on the team? These are the questions we bring to God today as we worship. Thankfully, our gospel message today holds a message as relevant today as it did for the original audience hearing it. However, it is important to understand their context so we can then more fully comprehend where we can apply this gospel to our lives today. It's good to go through this passage, which holds so many pieces that go beyond surface level, and I'll highlight some of them here. So we're going to go through these verses together to take a deeper look at what they can mean. In the first verse, we hear that there are 70 disciples sent out. For those of you who read your Bible and have read different versions, you may have noticed that some versions actually say 72. You might wonder what is up with the conflicting number. In Genesis, the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, chapter 10, the account says Noah's clan of sons would go on to populate the earth. There were 70 total, so 70 nations. Yet the original Hebrew translation reads 70, while the later Greek translation of the first century says 72. Translations still use both today. And either way, essentially, Jesus is symbolically sending the disciples out with a message for all nations, not just some, but all of which he planned to visit as well. He sent them out in pairs, which is another reflection of the Genesis account where the animals were put in pairs on the ark, not alone, always together. In verse two, Jesus speaks of a harvest. In other words, there is a huge task ahead, but not enough workers to complete it. It couldn't be done alone. Jesus knew he needed disciples working with him to complete the mission ahead. And verse three clearly warns them, you are lambs among the wolves. The task ahead is dangerous. Going further and forth, so therefore don't take along unneeded objects, things that make you a target and hurry up because the time has come to get going. In verse 5, the message for the disciples is that they are to announce peace. That is the first thing they are told they are to say is peace. In 6, we hear, you'll know right away if the peace you bring is accepted or rejected and how they react. Certainly many of you can tell when people are accepting Or rejecting you in the ways that they respond to just you being with them. So going further in seven, Jesus says, if they're accepting of you, accept their generosity that is offered. Don't be a mooch and ask for more. Don't take them for granted and move on to the next door neighbor to see what they have that could be better. You're there with a message. So you're earning your keep. In eight, it repeats this, take what is offered. Don't ask for something else. Sounds like being a child and parents saying to be polite, eat what I give you or what family puts before you. And finally, in nine, the second part of the mission mission and message, heal and say the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is coming near. In 10 and 11, if you're not welcomed, dust your feet and move along. Leave. In ancient Jewish practice, Israelites traveled and when they returned home, they dusted their feet off before re-entering their own land to cleanse themselves of being in unpure areas. So Jesus is saying that where they are accepted no longer needs dusting off. They are accepted welcomed in God's chosen nation now as well. But if rejected, dust away and move along. But make sure to let them still know the kingdom, if God is at hand, God is near. Now that we've taken a closer look at many parts of our text, I'm going to read another version of the text for you. And as I do, listen to see if there are now ways that the text sits differently for you as you hear it from the angle of having more information and new wording. So often we just plow through the readings during a service one to the next without pausing again to listen one more time to see what stands out. So I invite you in this moment, listen again, see what stands out. Taking charge, Jesus selected a large group of followers, as many of them as there were nations in the world, and sent them off in pairs as advance parties into all the towns and districts he was planning to pass through. He gave them the following instructions. The world is an orchard groaning under a bumper crop, ripe and ready for picking. But there are hardly any workers ready to bring it in. So get in touch with the Lord of the crop and put in an urgent request for more workers to be sent out to do the picking. Now on your bikes and keep your eyes open because on this job, you will be like children swimming among the sharks. Travel light, And live simply. No carting luggage around and no wasting time swapping travel stories with everyone you bump into on the road. If anyone invites you to stay in their home, pray openly for God to bless their household with peace. If they are peace-loving people, they will benefit from your prayer. If they are not, you haven't lost anything. Stay in the same house until it's time to move on. As workers, you've earned your keep. So eat and drink whatever your host provides. And don't go fussing about dietary customs or gluten intolerance. No, shopping around for a better place is not right. If you arrive in a town and the locals welcome you, be gracious guests and accept their hospitality. Whether their food appeals to you or not, heal anyone in the town who is sick and announce that the culture of God is close at hand among them. If you arrive in a town and the locals refuse to welcome you, then stand in the main street and say, we're scratching your name off our map because of what you have done. The culture of God has come within reach right here, but you shut it out. Whoever listens to what you have to say is listening to me. Those who give you the cold shoulder are giving me the cold shoulder. And if they're giving me the cold shoulder, they are doing the same to the one who sent me. So off they went in pairs, the whole group of them. And when they returned, they were ecstatic. Lord, they said, when we called the shots on your authority, even the demons fell into line. Jesus replied, yes, I was watching. And I saw the Satan knocked off his perch and fall out of the sky like a bolt of lightning. You see, the world is full of snakes, and sharks but I have given you the ability to stand against them and against all the power of the enemy and they can do you no real harm all the same the most exciting news for you is that the evil will give away to you but that your names are in the books in the pay office of heaven now I intentionally left out covering our last few verses 16 through 20 because I'd like to come and look at them towards the end of my sermon. So we'll hold on to that. So Jesus sent out a a team of disciples, of men and women, to take the task of declaring God was near. In today's world, where people are more and more stressed daily, the gospel declares that life can be made anew. Where where are the people, the disciples, to declare that the message today is that life can be made new? So many people today are struggling to keep moving forward, to continue living. The message of the gospel is there is salvation. There is peace. Who is sharing that message today? Too many people are feeling the pain of discrimination, abuse, poverty, and neglect. Are there any messengers left to declare freedom? And Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In the Bay Area, as I know many of you are aware, as you look for a pastor, Our ELCA churches are struggling to fill calls. I'd like to help dispel a misconception about ministry. Too often churches feel like they can just get the right pastor or worship leaders into their building and then their pews will begin to fill up again. If they can get their building looking just so, then the people will come whether this misconception comes with the assumption that more lives will come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ on a personal level is questionable but certainly there is a common thread among mainline denominations of if the right strategy is put into place then the church life of old days will return yet here's the thing god's message of salvation Jesus Christ's way of peace is far bigger than the efforts of any call pastor. It's bigger than how many people fit in the pews of this church or any church. In fact, it's these roles that must be sent out into the fields of the world to bring in the harvest of continuing the spread of God's word. God's kingdom has come near. Yes, indeed. You have heard me right. We are called to be the laborers out there in the harvest field. We are. Pastors go to seminary, are trained theologically in language and pastoral care, but all of that is not required for fulfilling the spread of the gospel. It's a certain set-apart call, of course. Don't get me wrong. for, For a set community a community you come to for feeding and filling up in preparation for the harvest, for going out into the world to speak on the message of God's love and goodness among those who need to hear it. In Lutheranism, we talk about the priesthood of all believers. And we do this because the radical message is we are all called And equipped to be the lambs in the world of wolves, speaking out about the peace of Christ. We are meant to share in meals with others, to respond with mercy to those who are sick, hurting, and struggling, and to share with them about a God so full of love, wanting to meet them where they are and wipe away their tears. To look at them and have them know God created them in their image. God called them good and claimed them as their own. Christ commissions the whole church for this mission. You are each priest bringing the gospel to the ends of all nations. Even when your words don't explicitly say it. Your actions must. That doesn't mean you have to make a side of it from the 50-yard line of a football game. Yet it does mean you are to keep prayed up when you go away in private and when you come out ready to represent Jesus Christ in the ways you move throughout your day. I'd like to add that sometimes these people who will go out into the field who are disciples are now the ones who join us via Zoom. They're not in the pews here, and they may not return. They may be the disciples that are at home today, not a part of a church, but yet still believe to their very core in the mission of Jesus Christ, that they take that out in their very essence in being every day and share that with the world. They go out, into the harvest. St. Teresa of Avila has a well-known saying that reminds us that now we carry on the ministry that Jesus Christ gave us. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ looks out to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is going to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless others now. Most churches have directories that give contact information and, m- about members. When Jesus looks at a directory, he sees more than the phone number or your address. He sees beloved disciple one. Who gathered at the bedside of a close former coworker, who is in their last breaths of life? Jesus sees disciple two, who passes by the gentleman on the corner asking for food, and then returns with a meal and water, saying, "God's blessings be with you. I will be praying for you." Jesus sees congregant three, who volunteers weekly at the homeless shelter. Jesus sees congregant four who works for justice as a lawyer. He even sees congregant five who wakes up early before work just to cast their voting ballot. And he certainly sees congregants six to 15 who make and distribute reusable feminine hygiene products to girls around the world, especially in Africa, to keep girls in school. They've been doing this together for many years with Days for Girls. Every disciple doing their part for God's sake of the world. Every disciple doing their part for God's sake for the world. In verse 18, our reading today, as we heard Jesus responding to his ex- Sighted disciples sharing about the success of their ministry says, "Yes, I was watching, and I saw the Satan knock off his perch and fall out of the sky like a bolt of lightning." Jesus was assuring his disciples. He saw every bit of good they did for the world around them. Nothing was too minute. They made a difference. Jesus was saying every one of them mattered. Alone, the message of peace could not be spread. Together, peace was proclaimed to all the nations. We are still the harvesters today, called to disciple, called to bring healing to a hurting world. The world will downplay the goodness your works bring. The news will continue to present a world without relief do good anyways, spread the gospel anyways, represent the gospel always. Make Satan fall from the sky. Jesus will see it. So while my message to each of you still follows the theme I often lead with, that's for a reason. Our mission today remains to get the gospel out to all the nations. Because as the pastor concluded, your little drop in the ocean might not seem like much. But when the tide turns, every drop is in it together and nothing can stand in your way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.